Welcome to the Woman Warriors Podcast, where we're working to help you call a truce with your anxiety. The information in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. Now, here's your host, Elizabeth Cush, LCPC. Hi, and welcome back to the Woman Warriors podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth Cush. I am a licensed clinical professional counselor in Annapolis, Maryland. And today we're talking to Hunter Clark Fields. She's a mindfulness mentor, host of the Mindful Mama podcast, creator of the Mindful Parenting membership, and she's the author of the new book, Raising Good Humans. She helps moms bring more calm into their daily lives and cooperation in their families. Hunter has over 20 years of experience in meditation and yoga practices and has taught mindfulness to thousands worldwide. She is the mother of two active daughters who challenge her every day to hone her craft. You can learn more about Hunter at MindfulMamaMentor.com. And today we're going to be talking about generational patterns, what they are, and how we can learn intentionally to do things differently. I'm very excited about the conversation. Um, But before we get started with that, I just wanted to say thanks again for tuning in. You can find us at womanwarriors.com. Woman Warriors on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can download my free guide for worried women, free meditation guide for worried women on the website. Go to womanwarriors.com. There is a link there uh, at the top of the page. Click on that and get your free guide. I will also be hosting mindfulness groups here in Annapolis for all those worried women who live locally. If you're interested and live in Maryland, you also can connect with me and I will be hosting an online group as well. So if you would like to be a part of those groups, give me a shout out to me, uh, working toward doing a broader version of the group online as we go forward as a more of a coaching than therapy group. So if you're interested in that, reach out to me as well. You can find my contact information at the end of the podcast in the show notes, womanwarriors.com. So let's get started. Hi, Hunter. Thank you so much for being a part of the Woman Warriors podcast today. Thanks so much for having me. I'm glad to be here. Me too. I'm glad you're here. And uh, I will hope that you will tell us a little bit about yourself, the work you do, and what inspired you to do it. I'm happy to. Yeah. Fire away. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So what, you know, tell us a little bit about you before we jump in. Like what, what, you know, what, the listeners need to know about you and well and you have a podcast about your podcast Mm. but just about Mm -hmm. you 
Well, I am a mom of two girls. I think that's kind of the first thing that comes out as far as like with the work that I do. Mm-hmm. Um, that, and I'm, I think for me, I'm, uh, I'm always, uh, I've always, always been a seeker, a learner, um, uh, for my whole life. And I'm also like one of those, uh, I think I'm one of those people who's kind of good at being good at things. And so <laughs> when I was really failing at, at parenting in my mind and doing a really terrible job, this was like unacceptable situation. And so it, it really drove me, drove me to learn, but yeah, I'm, I'm, um, I'm a seeker and a learner. I've been studying about studying mindfulness since I was a teenager and, um, really interested in, um, in how to, how to live well and how to reduce suffering and existential questions and who am I and what is the world? (laughs) (laughs) Those small, (laughs) inconsequential questions. Yes. (laughs) And so, um, so bringing mindfulness into parenting and guessing, yes, for you? Yes, yes, absolutely. Well, I mean, uh, so for me, m- mindfulness came into my life because I re- really needed it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. Me <laughs> yeah. too. Yes. I'm uh, one of those, you know, I'm like a highly sensitive person mm-hmm. and um, I was really very, you know, maybe you know, I, I don't want to maybe sort of manic depressive or something at some yeah, point or along yeah. that continuum at, for most of my life. And, mm-hmm. and I would just fall into these pits on a regular basis. And so that's why I started to read about mindfulness as a teenager. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then I finally, you know, was able to, <laughs> lo and behold, it works better when you actually do the practices. And so I'm surprise, <laughs> surprise, right? <laughs> 10 years later, I, um, I had done a yoga teacher training and I was able to finally sit down and do a meditation practice, mm. um, after that for a regular basis. And it, it really, truly transformed my life. Um, it was, you know, I, I, after about two or three months of a steady practice, of meditation, I looked back over my life and I, and I kind of thought I wasn't doing a very good job because I thought I was just sitting there thinking the whole time, and right? I, you know, the whole, this is not working. <laughs> I'm but not good I, at this. I'm oh, terrible. All that yeah. stuff. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and then I looked back over my life though, and I hadn't actually fallen in and into any of these pits of despair mm-hmm. That I had regularly fallen into for 27 years of my life up until then. And then, Mm. and so it was huge, like just to see that, like, oh, wow, you know, this was a big, big game changer for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and then, like, when I had, and then when I got pregnant about two years later, and I I really remember thinking, like, you know, I remember being there with my big pregnant belly sitting in my meditation group and thinking like, oh yeah, this is going to be such a like calm, awesome game. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be awesome. I'm going to rock this whole thing. And, uh, 
And while she, it was of course so much, so so much harder oh than my I thought it would be, and and she was very highly sensitive from from the beginning, and so I really had to kind of dive back into my mindfulness and 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 strengthen it and bring it even more into my life um, from there. Mm. So so um, so yeah. yeah. So bringing bringing mindfulness into parenting, but also. For me, the work, you know, at least with with the book, with raising good humans, what I what I really saw as I started to struggle enormously is that the that there there were kind of these sort of two sides of this conversation. Like in this mindfulness world, there was this sort of us, you know, just as we calm ourselves down, as we become less reactive, you know, knowing that that. M- meditation practice really shifts and changes the brain literally physically to help us become less reactive then after we do that then everything's just going to be fine and that was kind of the conversation in the mindfulness world and then as i was learning in this sort of parenting world the communication world they had all these wonderful things just respond this way just say these things just just this is how to respond and and that was um frustrating because it didn't address like, well, what happens when you're losing it? Cause you can't even access any of that good learning, you know? So, so, so one without the other was not enough, you know, that you, the, in the parenting world, they were missing this crucial step of like, well, how do you pause and just respond differently? Yes. And in the mindfulness world, they were missing this, this piece of like, well, actually, what do you say once you calm down? Um, yeah. There's a whole world of information there. So that's really what my work does is bring together those two pieces. Mm, yeah. And I, I, looking back at my own parenting, my children are older, you know, my youngest is 22 now, I think, if I'm remembering, yes, 22. And, uh, you know, mindfulness, had I had a mindfulness practice and, you know, someone who could have helped me implement that into my parenting style, it would have been so helpful. But that being said, I found it later in life and it has helped me being an anxious woman really help me manage the anxiety in a way that, as you said, like I don't have these day long day, you know, day long experience of feeling anxious all day. Like I can pick Mm -hmm. up on it. I know when it's happening, I can usually sort of pinpoint what's going on for me and then bring myself back down from it. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, it's been so amazingly helpful just in my day-to-day life as well as my work life. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm um, myself, you know, I'm definitely prone to anxiety as well. I've often woken up with like nightmares and anxieties. Mm. And um and the one th- one thing and mindfulness, uh, you know, the pr- meditation mindfulness meditation practice has really, of course, reduce that enormously, at least it, you know, and, and it just, it's just stops a spiral, you know, it doesn't, mm-hmm. it doesn't stop it, right? Like you, you still get these feelings, but you, I just don't spiral down into then what's wrong with me because I'm feeling this way and et cetera. It's just, I recover much more, um, much more quickly, but it's interesting. I'm also like more aware of, oh, here, the the subtleties of the experience, you know, now that I've been meditating now for, you know, over 14 years, it's like, 
I'm, I'm very aware of the subtleties of the experience in my body mm-hmm. and that it's, it's, you know, in, in some ways aware, more aware maybe than I used to be of like, oh, look, anxiety is here, a bit, <laughs> you know, inside itself. but, um, but yeah. yeah, it helps me to, to move through it more easily. I, I'm curious, what do you, Elizabeth, have yeah. you tracked your anxiety with your cycles and noticed, uh, shifts and changes with that? Um, yeah, I, I unf- well, not unfortunately, I came to my mindfulness practice actually after menopause. So mm-hmm. I am now mm-hmm. 59 and haven't had my cycle for over 10 years. So, mm-hmm. um, but I would bet, I mean, I don't have any doubt had I tracked it and been more mindful <laughs> then mm-hmm. that, that it would, if my anxiety... Well, anxiety, depression, all those uncomfortable feelings, which for me with uh, my cycle and my period, like the my physical discomfort, like around clothing and bloating, and I am a lot of my anxiety as a kid showed up in, you know, the more tactile, you know, clothes didn't feel comfortable, and I Mm. needed my shoes Mm. tied really tightly. Like I'm sure I could have tracked a very regular, predictable path had I, had I uh, been paying mm. more attention. But I'm guessing that, do you see that with Yeah, yourself? it's something but- I'm, I'm exploring now. I'm trying to just notice. But yeah, it really is quite predictable. Oh, when I start to see anxiety arise now, I'm like, oh, where am I in my cycle? Aha, mm-hmm. uh, this makes sense. You know, it, it's really interesting to to see that. And then, of course, the circumstantial anxiety that arises. Um, yes, yes. Well, and I know, uh, you know, I'm a therapist. And so I have, you know, heard from female clients you know, I know the week before, this is when I start, my anxiety starts to rise, you know, they're tracking it and seeing it for sure. Definitely. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think there needs to be research around that if there isn't already. I've tried doing some, you know, looking up research around that, but have not found anything that definitively says that, oh, yes, yes, we our mental health symptoms <laughs> increase around our menstrual cycle, I think, except that I think every woman knows that they do. Yeah, yeah. It's that, it's colloquial knowledge. Like, yep, we we know it. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Now, uh, that feels like a good segue into, <laughs> maybe not, but, uh, you know, I know you identify or have, you know, put out there that like these generational patterns. So, you know, maybe Mm -hmm. some of this stuff comes from witnessing your mom or because genetically here we are connected to our mother's cycles too, you know, we were born Mm -hmm. from them, but there are these definite generational patterns that show up around mental health stuff, but just parenting, being a person and, you know, how do you see these, you know, what are generational patterns? First of all, like what, what might you identify as a generational pattern? Well, I think the easiest way to sort of share this, at least in, as it relates to parenting, you know, is in, in the story we, we, we can see that we are very much like our parents in certain ways. And, and actually for me, when with parenting, 
um, my patterns were, were closer to my father. And actually I, I very much see like he's a, a highly sensitive person and I can see, and his mother was, and my daughter is We I could see this sort of pattern down the line. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, but when I, when my daughter was around two, and started to talk back to me and resist my unskillful <laughs> way of speaking. And um, I, and if she had big feelings, big difficult emotions, or was angry or upset, like it, it felt, it just felt in my body so unacceptable. Like I couldn't deal with this. I couldn't handle this. This was not acceptable. Mm. It was visceral in my body. And I, and I really had to deal with my anger. And, um, I, as I started to kind of like unpack it and kind of look at that and examine it, you know, I, I saw that this felt so unacceptable because the message I was given when I was a kid was that my big feelings were unacceptable. My, my father, um, had a rage, you know, real intense, scary rage. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I could, remember like cowering behind the door scared. Yeah. And, um, and I could, you know, I could see that the, that was a pattern that was instilled in me that these, the feelings I had were unacceptable. So therefore when my daughter had these feelings, it felt so unacceptable to me. But, and so then I perpetuated the, the the anger and it was so, um, it was, uh, you know, it's kind of, you know, it's a, it's such a shame, right? That we, you know, I could just see that this wasn't a choice that I made. This wasn't what I wanted, yeah. but, but it's... here it was nonetheless. And I had to kind of deal with this, you know, I had to either, you know, I was, if I, if left to, if left un, unexamined and undealt with and, and without practicing and, and doing something different, I was just going to pass this problem on and, and pass on my rage and scare my daughter. And that, and I wasn't, I I had to change. So that's really these patterns. I Mm -hmm. mean, for me, that was the most important pattern to form. Well, and interestingly, you know, we're talking about parenting, but these patterns can show up in any relationships, right? Like with your partner or your friend or, you know, I know <laughs> I've been sort of examining some of my own patterns in terms of with uh, uh, more intimate friend relationships. And that has always been sort of a struggle for me and how much to connect and how much I can trust that person just because of my own history. And mm-hmm. just recognizing how easy it is for me to just walk away and be like, you know what, I'm done. I'm done. But there isn't any leading up to that, like, I'm unhappy, you hurt my feelings. Can we talk about this? It's just this boom, shutting down, step away. And I'm like, Oh, this does not this is not where I want to be at 59 years old, I want to be able to be more open to the fluidness of relationship and how they can ebb and flow and, and that I can be heard in that too. Mm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, 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 absolutely. Like we, we just, sometimes I think that as human beings, you know, we have this, we have this erroneous perception that we have all this control. (laughs) (laughs) 
and that we we act, you know, from our conditioning and from our culture and from our genes and all these things. And then our brain kind of tells us stories to make meaning out of that action. Mm. You know, that this is kind of, I think that's kind of the default for a lot of us. And, and, and that's really where I look at the practice of mindfulness as being incredibly valuable on so many levels, but for being able to see those patterns to be able to see, oh, this is this is the feeling that is the precursor to that yes. <laughs> experience. And, yes. and these are the thoughts that I have. And Right. And this is to- the story that I'm creating around whatever this is that's happening. Exactly. Exactly. Before we develop an awareness, a loving kind of awareness about this, our thoughts and our, our feelings. It's like we're in the water, we're in a waterfall, you know, we're just under the water. And this waterfall of thoughts and feelings, we just are in it. And then to the, the mindfulness is to be able to observe that, right, to be able to step out in front of the waterfall and say, Oh, look, here are these things, you know, are they helpful? Do I need to act from them rather than just kind of being pushed and pulled around by them? Absolutely. Yeah, I I agree. And, and so um, patterns can just show up out of just because this is how, you know, we saw our parents or their parents, our parents' parents, and this is how things have played out in our world. So we bring this into our relationships. But so yes, mindfulness definitely helps. But as you said, like, there's the awareness piece. But then like, what's the next step? (laughs) Like, then (laughs) how do we then either shift or respond versus reacting? Like, how do we how do we do that? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. Yeah. So that the first step is always the awareness, what is happening. And then, um, and then as we can bring the awareness into, so we almost think of it like as a timeline, right? Like I'm, mm. I'm reacting in this way and there's this sort of timeline of events that sort of <laughs> leads up to that <laughs> and through it. And, and there are a lot of different pieces to that. I think first is to, um, to understand that like when, when we have the least control of our reactiveness or when we're, we're in our stress response and to kind of understand that stress response. And that is when, you know, we have certain levels of stress and, and it's, it's tightening our muscles, it's elevating our heart rate and it's cutting off access to the, the, that, that stress response literally sort of like bypasses the prefrontal cortex where our, our higher order thinking, our empathy, our verbal ability, our right, right. problem solving, all of that is like, that's where the secret you're like, is. You're not going there. <laughs> yeah. So I think yeah. before we kind of go to like, how do I, um, it's a bigger question, right? Than just yeah. like, how do I, you know, we have to look at what is, what is your overall stress like? This is a really important piece of it. Like for pe- parents who don't want to yell so much, this might be the most important piece is to be working on reducing your overall stress, taking yes. care of yourself well, getting enough sleep, getting exercise, all of these, all, you know, doing something that's just fun for you, you know, right, <laughs> right. slowing down all of these things that are, that 
add to the overall stress because then, you know, if your overall stress is pretty high, it doesn't take much to then be flipped into that just reactive, reactive state. You just see things as a threat and then you're just, you know, then that, that the biology of that stress response is just kind of taking over. Yes. And it takes much longer to get back from that than it takes to get there. (laughs) Right? Like, yeah, (laughs) right. You're in it very quickly, but it's hard to bring yourself back to, especially if your stress levels are high all the time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we want to kind of like take a a look at the big picture and set and and think about that in general. And, and part of that, like, so if what we want to do instead, in general, is give ourselves some space to have a conscious response, right, Mm -hmm. then we have to practice this pause, we it's not something that we can just do. And, and so we can start to practice it by kind of reducing our overall stress. And also we can practice it in other parts of our lives. Like we can practice it, you know, taking a breath before we answer a normal question, a non-triggering question. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. We can practice slowing down in a lot of different places. We can practice just you know, Mm. like giving ourselves a few breaths before we start the car, all these different, there's all these different places where we can practice slowing ourselves down and reducing that kind of sped up. Non-thinking. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Mm -hmm. That that we all get to so often. Mm -hmm. Um, And then when we think about kind of, and so what that does is that helps build your non-reactive muscle helps you build your pause muscle so that it's there when you need it. You know, you can't expect yourself if you never try to try to practice to be non-reactive, you know, you can't just expect yourself to to kind of do it in, which is like the equivalent of like the world series, right? It's like the the temper tantrum or or the really triggering moment. Um, You you can't expect to, to do well there if you've never practiced right exactly yeah you do do have to practice in the in the calm moments Mm -hmm. um and then in those triggering moments i think that that is where an overall practice of mindfulness meditation and just increasing our awareness really helps a lot because then you're aware more aware that you're starting to get triggered you're not just lost and you're not in that waterfall you can kind of start to see it yes um yes and so Often what happens is that, if, uh, for instance, if somebody's trying to stop yelling, they'll often, you start to become aware of it as you practice with this earlier and earlier in the timeline. So at first you lose your, your bananas and, <laughs> <laughs> and you feel guilty and terrible and you feel sad. And that's, that's kind of that first step of, oh, I have to stop. And then, and then you start to say, okay, I'm going to practice with this. And you practice in your life. And then, and then you might be aware of right before you're about to yell, you you realize, oh, I'm about to yell and maybe I could stop right now, but you yell anyway, <laughs> because you're human, right? It's, right. This, yep. this is what happens. And then you practice some self-compassion, you apologize, you come back. And then maybe you get to this, you know, as you practice with those pieces, then you get to this point of, oh, I'm about to yell. And it, it feels like it really hard. And, and, and maybe you, you yell something skillful, like, I feel really angry. <laughs> <laughs> and that's great. Like that's a 
huge, valuable step to like yeah. yell something skillful and not like I hate you, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Yes, like yes. Uh, I, that's a, a huge, huge step. And then you want to celebrate that. You want to say, "Yes, good job! I, I yelled something really skillful." And then maybe you get to the point where you, you bite your tongue and you and you instead of yelling and right and, you're clenching and, your fists or whatever yeah, it feels like you're like stopping your pee midstream <laughs> it's so hard <laughs> but you you go ah, and you walk out the door instead of like yelling <laughs> oh my gosh and you know you put your hands on, i mean for me i like to i put my hands on this rock outside my house and i breathe and i sigh and i shake it out and i move the energy out and then maybe you get to the point where you practice to say, I am starting to get really annoyed, right? Earlier in the timeline, I'm starting, you start to acknowledge those feelings before they get to the exploding point. I am starting to get so annoyed. And it's like, boom, it's like a trigger of mindfulness for you and for the people around you that these are feelings to take care of before it gets to the breaking point. Yeah. And that's, that's really where you want to be is like practice that awareness so that you can start to verbalize and acknowledge what's happening for you further down that timeline. So then you can take care of those feelings before they be, turn into a raging volcano. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think as you said that like, this is practice. This doesn't, you know, one day of meditating, isn't going to change or shift the the patterns because they are patterns for one. That's why they call them patterns because we do them again and again. But I think what took me a long time to realize, and I think what I hope with this podcast is to recognize that, yes, well, one, we're human. Do we fall back into these patterns of either getting anxious or shouting or whatever it is. Sure. Can we do th diff things differently? We can. But sometimes too, we do get overtaken occasionally by whatever it is, the experience that's happening. But each time we do it, we, we're learning something too. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, that we're like, I, I don't ever want to say like, I am, I'm, I no longer have anxiety because that's just not true. I still get it. It's just, I recognize when it's happening sooner. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You just start to, you start to see those patterns. And I think a really important piece to underlie here is this piece about, you know, how we respond to our inevitable humanity. Mm -hmm. And if we respond to ourselves telling ourselves you're a terrible person what's wrong with you right. and we we respond to ourselves with judgment and harsh inner self-talk it actually it, it it seems a lot of us i think in our culture feel like this is you know this judgment is productive but it's actually not it actually kind of leaves you you can look at it if you have this experience um dear listener and see if it actually it, it seems it actually ends up leaving us feeling pretty incapacitated oh yeah and unable to make take positive action and research shows that and actually so research from university of austin with Kristen neff mm -hmm. on self-compassion shows that it's actually and it 
it makes a lot of sense actually when you think about it, but that, that when you respond to yourself with compassion, with kindness, if you use words like, oh, that was hard, oh, it's, it's hard to do these things and in these patterns are so strong and you tried and you know, it's okay for you to be human and you're not alone. Um, it actually gives you greater capacity to grow and to change and to do something different next time. And it makes a lot of sense because if you think about it, if you are inevitably human and you mess up, you, you have that harsh inner voice. You're not going to want to grow and change Go out of your side of your comfort zone because you might be greeted with this mean voice inside. But if you go outside your comfort zone and you're inevitably human and you make a mistake and then, and you instead or greet yourself with with kindness and, and comforting yourself, then you know what? It, it's not so bad. And you can then take those steps outside your comfort zone and try again. Um, rather than, rather than, you know, berate yourself. It's, it's huge. And it it really is a, a big piece that underlies all of the things I think we're talking about here. Oh, yes. I, I agree. I, I, uh, I think the beginning of my truly, you know, active practice of mindfulness began with listening to a DVD of Kristen Neff's of, you know, mm. working on self-compassion and the exercises that can go with that. And it just, I would say it changed my life. I mean, being able to see myself as human and lovable, even in my mistakes is mm. a huge shift. And definitely helps me manage my distress in a much healthier way. Yeah. 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 To give ourselves that, that kindness. I mean, you know, I, I remember like having yelled at my daughter when she was two and, you know, being so hard on myself and saying to myself, you're a terrible mother, Mm. gosh, all that stuff. And it, Mm. and it really did just leave me in a pathetic, puddle on the floor. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and, uh, I had to, you know, and I think it just helps so much to understand, like, this is just our biology. These are our patterns. And it, it's not blaming doesn't help and in any way and it actually doesn't make a lot of sense no one like wakes up in the morning and says I think I'm gonna lose it at my kid today like, this is a great <laughs> idea like no one chooses that and yeah. I didn't choose that and and even you know and as I I talk about my father in this you know as I I share this this story you know I don't I don't blame him either he was a a young kid who was scared of his father, um, who, you know, who was worse to him. And I know I haven't talked to my grandfather about these things, and I'm sure these are just patterns that go down the line and that we all suffer. And these aren't, these aren't active, you know, choices we're making. This is our, this is our inheritance. This is our biology. These are the conditions that we, have and the cards were dealt and and the nervous system that we have mm-hmm. and these the patterns are you know those patterns have been ingrained from a really really young age and so those in inside the brain literally like the neural networks where those those neurons that are firing together right yeah those are literally like like super highways they're so <laughs> easy to go on like those are so literally easy. 
bit stronger, bigger grooves in the brain, like literally, like more myelinated, you know, pathways. And so when you're trying something new, it's like you're, instead of it being like a super highway, it's like you're kind of bushwhacking. Right. You've got your machete and you're cutting down the, (laughs) right. You're creating the path. Really? Yeah. 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 And you got to walk down it a lot of times for it to become, you know, smoother. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So having some, the self-compassion piece around these generational patterns, I think is so, so, so important that we are human and, and just around, well, for sure in parenting as well, but just being a person, like we all make mistakes. We all struggle. And if we're constantly being critical of ourselves, as you said, like that's not motivating Yeah, for us to do anything different. It's just shaming and piling on the guilt. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's just incredibly practical. It's just not helpful. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And that through mindfulness though, and this self-compassion piece, we can forge these new paths that then are so much easier to access and find they're not they you know not I'm mine aren't quite super highways yet but I'm working on it (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah I mean that's my hope is that you know I can help like one generation do this work right of breaking this cycle of reactive parenting Mm -hmm. and make it easier you know, I know that my kids are going to have their own things. I know mm-hmm. that. Yep. But I I just want to make it easier for us to evolve to that next place. And if I can take on that work, I'm happy to. And it's not easy, but but it's it, the exciting thing about these practices is that even with both the mindfulness, self-compassion practices and the like communication practices, it's like, whoa, it's hard. You're like learning new ways of being and you're learning a new way language and it's really challenging. Yeah. And, but the good news is, is that it, it's, it's, um, it gets easier and easier over time. You know, it's like this, a lot of work we do in this sort of upfront years and then it becomes easier and easier over time and it, and it makes our lives easier over time. It makes our relationships easier over time. Um, rather than the alternative in a lot of ways, which, you know, if you're, um, kind of going old school with your using threats and, uh, punishment and those kind of, kind of old tactics with your kids, we all know if we were raised that way, that actually kind of gets harder and harder over time and less, uh, oh yeah. you know, quote unquote effective and, and, and quite damaging. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love that you are dedicated to this work to helping the you know the future parents but future generations of of uh people with generational patterns <laughs> because it does take intentional action to mm-hmm. shift things, and sometimes it's hard to do on your own, yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. We need to support each other in this, yeah. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your book, Raising Good Humans, because it's out now, right? 
Because yeah, I think when we is. set the interview up, you were like, my potential book. I'm like, no, I'm pretty sure I saw on your Instagram feed that it is out there. It is. It is. It is out. It actually it, it came out just a couple of days before recording this. So, um, yeah. So Raising Good Humans, um, it's a very practical in a lot of ways. <laughs> I remember thinking when I was really struggling, I would... I would listen to some, I would listen to teachers that I appreciated a lot and I would say, but, but how, how do you do these things? How do you, (laughs) so so it's very much the how, um, and it's how to become less reactive, how to work with your stress response, how to create a mindfulness practice and self-compassion practices, and then how to talk and how to speak, communicate in ways that are, um, that make it easier over time that make, you know, create cooperation um, in kids to, to make things easier over time. And, mm-hmm. and kind of the the secret, uh, the not so secret secret about it is that it could be kind of like just being good humans, you know, because the, um, <laughs> what? These, are, no. <laughs> these are tools that, you know, the my clients in the in my membership, you know, they say like, oh, it's you know, my relationship with my partner has improved and I'm using all these communication skills in my workplace. And I'm like, oh, yes, yeah, because yeah. it's like there, you know, there there's things that I didn't know about and I had to learn. But, you know, that it, as a therapist are probably very basic things maybe to you talking about I messages, how yeah. to how to explain how a behavior um, affects you and makes you feel and kind of let the let the other know that how to do win-win problem solving how to how to listen so that um so that you can help let your kids solve their own problems right mm-hmm. um and and the and putting this all together in that context with um so yeah so you know with also other kind of tips and tricks that are geared specifically towards parents but but yeah, it's 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 bringing together these two pieces that inner inner self work um, of um, changing your own patterns so that you can live mm. what you want your kids to learn, um, and then um, and then how to communicate nice. skillfully. Oh, so 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 important. Yeah, because I feel like when we're reactive, we're often sort of blaming or you know screaming at other people for their part of it versus like you said, the I statement of I'm feeling this way, or this is how I'm reacting in this moment can really shift the the conversation, but also just being able to hear what it is that person's saying. Yeah. It 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 doesn't give much to argue with when you (laughs) explain how this, (laughs) this affects your life and makes you feel rather than, you know, what the other does yes um yes yeah and it, it's kind of interesting you know like i i remember being uh when my um i, I remember when my w- one daughter was like a baby we had some neighbors uh move in who were far more evolved than i was at that point and uh and i remember ta- i was in very much in the throes of like learning about these things and and, uh, and I remember that neighbor said, you know, yeah, you know, I don't use, I don't use timeouts or 
or mm. I don't use punishments or even timeouts. And I thought they were crazy. <laughs> I thought they were crazy. And and now I have not ever used those. Yeah, um, and yeah. I mean, I did for a, a few years around that time. Um, and, and I, I really realized like, and our, my relationships with my kids are great and they do do things around the house and they do cooperate. Yeah. Um, but I, so I, I just, I, you know, it's possible and it's exciting to, to, I'm excited to, my oldest daughter now is going in to be 13 soon and I'm really, it feels so hopeful because we're going into uh, teenagehood and we're close and we, wow. you know, we yeah. love each other and it's not, there's not that, that damage and, you know, I mean, I'm sure I'm, they've told me they've hated me before. Like that stuff all of course happens, but, yeah, um, yeah. I'm just, I feel like these skills that, you know, were so important to me that I had to learn, um, that I can that I share in the book. Like they, I feel excited because, uh, what, um, what I'd hoped for as far as now is, is coming true in that we, you know, we're, yeah. we're still strong and tight. It's, it's yeah. exciting. Yeah. And that, that trust and communication was built early on enough that even in adolescence, <laughs> you can, you'll serve it, it will prove helpful, right? And yeah, yeah you'll be able to yeah. use them. Yeah. 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 I mean, not that I'm not, I'm not expecting it to not be rocky. I'm just <laughs> no, totally. clear, but it's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But you've built this great foundation to go into this difficult time, potentially. Yeah. Yeah. So how do people find you, Hunter? Well, they can find me at every everything in the Mindful Mama podcast, the book Raising Good Humans. It's all at mindfulmamamentor.com. And uh, yeah, um, nice. I'd love for you to come say hello there and and say hello to me. And I'm, I'm kind of more active on social media on Instagram at Mindful Mama Mentor. Nice. Well, I will be sure to post the links to your book, your website and Instagram in the show notes. And uh, I'm excited to share the conversation with the world. Hey, thank you so much, Elizabeth. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. You have a, a lovely energy, very thoughtful um, energy about you that I really appreciate. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, you were very easy to talk to. So you, <laughs> you made it easy. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Hunter. Uh, I think that generational patterns really impact all of our relationships, not just in parenting, although I think they can show up much more clearly as in parenting, because we are then seeing ourselves as you know, saying, I'm never going to be like my mom, or I'm never going to be like my dad. And yet, sometimes that happens. So sometimes it can be a little more clear when we are parents ourselves. But these patterns show up in our other relationships as well, where we are responding from a place of habit or uh, genetic components that have been passed down to us. But we can make changes, we can do things differently. Mindfulness has definitely helped me change my generational patterns and helped me become more aware of when they're showing up so that I can choose to respond instead of just react. 
I hope you'll check out her book if that feels relevant to you, as well as her podcast. And all of the information on how to find Hunter will be included in the show notes at womanwarriors.com. As always, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can also subscribe to the podcast uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. If you go to the Woman Warriors podcast and scroll down to the end of the episodes, there's a place to rate and review podcasts in both Google Podcasts as well as Apple. So, and I think in Stitcher and other platforms as well. So I would be honored if you would take the time to write a review, an honest review, as well as rate the podcast because I love to hear from you. And it it is important to me to know how you're finding the podcast. So I hope you all have a wonderful week. I hope you will be mindful in your relationships, even if you are still bumping into some of those old generational patterns. Be kind to yourself and have a wonderful week. Ciao for now from This Woman Warrior. Thanks for listening and subscribing to The Woman Warriors podcast. Music was written and performed by Andy Cush. If you'd like more information on this episode, you can find the show notes, the resources shared today, and links to the guests' profiles at womanwarriors.com. Thank you.